Welcome to the Michael Grum Show, where we talk about things you don't want to talk about. We talk about sex. We talk about politics. We talk spirituality and substance abuse. Join us by calling 800-699-0980. Think, speak, and be heard. Here now is Michael Grum. Everybody in the Michael Blum Show. Great to have you here. That is a tune I wrote um, for a friend of mine that passed away about maybe five years ago called The Tree in the Forest. And uh, I just thought it was op- uh, appropriate at the time because, you know, if you're not there to witness, sometimes you don't know. If you're not there to hear, maybe nothing was said. And um, it's a, with great remorse today that I present this show. Um, it's going to be basically about the Parkland shootings. Um, I got to tell you a little bit about Parkland. Parkland is a beautiful, beautiful little community. As a matter of fact, when I moved to this part of Florida, which is uh, the pretty much I'm on the border of Broward and Palm Beach County, um, that was one of the places we were considering uh, moving to. Of course, that was about 30 years ago. And at that time, Parkland was Parkland. There was not much there other than Parkland and a couple of, uh, of well-known uh, uh, you'd say communities, uh, Cypress Head, and there was a few others in there, uh, Cypress Trail, uh, basically uh, the woods. You're out in the woods. At the beginning with Parkland, there was really no schools to speak of. There was no fire department. There were all the utilities and everything pretty much since it's right over the county line from Palm Beach. It is in Broward County. Um, so Parkland uh, actually borrowed from, from these other communities to go ahead and help support itself. And it grew and it grew and it grew. But not like other places have grown. Very, very concerned. You can ride down their main strip and you're not going to find strip shops there. There's not going to be giant McDonald's all over the place. It is a very, very high-end, classy area. And it's uh, became, and it's continued to do so. And it was considered one of the best cities to live in in the United States. And I can understand why. Uh, the makeup of um, that area basically is, is predominantly a white area. There's a, a large uh, Spanish uh, population there as well, Hispanic popula- population. And in the, for the school systems, basically they bus most of the uh, black children in from the poor areas in Coral Springs. So this is a community between Coral Springs and Boca Raton. Both Coral Springs, by the way, and Boca Raton are also relatively affluent, really nice areas as well. So although this is horrific anywhere at all, it was very, very shocking that it would occur in this area. You'd figure maybe, oh, it would occur somewhere else, shootings like this. It shouldn't really happen there. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Um, We're going to have a resiliency expert, a mental health person, uh, Fran uh, Speak, is going to join us in about 20 minutes or so. 
and I hope you can go ahead and uh, and uh, keep with us and listen to what we have to say. I'm going to try my best not to be partisan about anything here because to me this is not a Democratic thing or a Republican thing. Although, of course, the, the Democrat here I go already. Of course, the Democrats scream gun control whenever this happens because the left wants you not to have any. Um, not realistic. I don't think it would help this situation. And it's always fun to parade children in front of uh, other politicians and see them cry and all of that. But that's not going to help the situation. Uh, the problem really is not with guns and gun control. It's with schools and school safety. After doing a, quite a bit of research the last few days and looking up all sorts of statistics and analysis, I got to tell you, that's where it is at. It's not a matter of gun control. Although, I don't want you to get me wrong, I'm not opposed to some sensible things. But a lot of the stuff I found basically is on the books already. Um, and um, it's a matter of enforcement more than anything else. And we'll get into that a little bit too. Um, there was a phenomenally good Facebook posting. I don't know if anyone saw it, um, but it was by the Teacher of the Year from a, a voted Florida Teacher of the Year last year, Kelly Guthrie Raley, I think, or Rally. I'm not sure how she pronounces her name. Um, <clears throat> but I want to read this to you in its entirety because it is rather interesting. Uh, let me see. I'm using dual screens here tonight, so if I'm looking over to the side and it looks terrible, you'll have to let me know. And by the way, please feel free to give us a call this evening. The number here is 800-699-0980. Again, 800-699-0980. <clears throat> so here's what she wrote in a Facebook post. Okay, I'll be the bad guy and say what no one else is brave enough to say, but wants to say. I'll take all the criticisms and attacks from everyone because you know what? I am a teacher. I live this life daily, and I wouldn't do anything else, but I also know that daily I could end up in an active shooter situation. Until we as a country are willing to get serious and talk about mental health issues, lack of available care for the mental health issues, lack of discipline at home, horrendous lack of parental support when schools are trying to control horrible behavior at school. Oh no, not my kid. What did you do to cause my kid to react that way? Lack of moral values and yes, I'll say it, violent video games that take away all sensitivity to any compassion for others' lives, as well as reality TV that makes it commonplace for people to be to constantly scream up each other's faces and not value any other person but themselves. Uh, we, we, we will have a gun problem in our schools. Our kids don't understand the permanency of death anymore. I grew up with guns. Everyone knows that. But you know what? My parents never supported any bad behavior for me. I was terrified of doing something bad at school, as I would have not had a life until I corrected the problem and straightened my ass out. My parents invaded my life. They knew where I was all the time. They made me have a curfew. They made me wake, uh, wake them uh, up when I got home. They made me respect their rules. They had full control of their house and at any time could and would go through every inch of my bedroom, backpack, pockets, anything. Parents, it's time to step up. Be the parent that actually gives a crap. Be the annoying mom that pries and knows what your kid is doing. Stop being their friend. They have enough friends at school. Be their parent. 
being the cool mom means not a damn thing when either your kid is dead or your kid kills other people because they're allowed to have their space and privacy in your home. I'll say it again. My home was filled with guns growing up. For God's sake, my daddy was an 82nd Airborne Ranger who lost half his face serving our country. But you know what? I never dreamed of shooting anyone with his guns. I never dreamed of taking one. I was taught respect for human life, compassion, rules, common decency. And most of all, uh, let's see, most of all, I was taught that until I moved out. I never dreamed of shooting anyone with his guns. I never dreamed of taking one. I was taught respect for human life, compassion, rules, common decency. And most of all, I was taught that until I moved out. My life in bedroom wasn't mine. It was theirs. And they were going to know what was happening because they loved me and wanted the best for me. There. Say that I'm a horrible person. I didn't bring up gun control. And I will refuse to debate it with anyone. This post wasn't about gun control. It was about me loving the crap out of people and wanting the best for them. This was about my school babies and knowing that God created each one for greatness and just wanted them to reach their futures. It's about 20 years ago this year I started my teaching career. Violence was not this bad 20 years ago. Lack of compassion wasn't this bad 20 years ago. And God knows, 20 years ago, I wasn't afraid daily to call a parent because I knew that 9 out of 10 would cuss me out, tell me to go to hell, call the news on me, call the school board on me, post all over Facebook about me because I called to let them know what their child chose to do at school because they are a normal kid. Those 17 lives mattered. When are we going to take our own responsibility seriously? And that's the end of that post. And, you know, that kind of sums up just about everything I think uh, uh, I was going to talk about. I mean, that's, that's, that's all of it in a nutshell. Um, and uh, I just wanted to get into now a couple of other things. Uh, uh, wait, I did break this down. I'm trying to figure out what are the aspects that we could control? What is it that we could control? What is it that we could do to really help? Uh, provide safety for 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 our kids in school and I came up with a couple of things this is going to go round and round because this is not a matter of gun control I don't believe particularly that removing uh, uh, AR uh, AR 15s from from uh, your ability to purchase them I don't think that's going to help anything by the way AR does not stand for assault rifle uh, all those gun control people who think they know something. Um, it stands for Aeromark, which is the manufacturer of that gun. It is the most popular um, rifle in the United States, and it is not an automatic rifle. It is a semi-automatic rifle, which means you don't have to cock something back and forth to get the next bullet to come out. Um, if you remember from the Old West, uh, the revolvers were not, they were, they were manual. You had to keep on clicking them and clicking them and clicking them to get uh, shots out. You don't have to do that with a semi-automatic. The actual propulsion of the bullet out causes the, everything to re-click and, and get back in. But um, anyway, I'm put my glasses on. I'm getting old. I can't see too well anymore. Not even my own handwriting. So anyway, schools. We have to talk about school security. In the city school systems, and by the way, I taught in the New York City public school system, and I taught emotionally disturbed and neurologically impaired and physically handicapped children. Uh, not the particularly easiest population uh, to go ahead and 
talk about and control and discipline, but I was there with them. And by the way, I loved my job. I couldn't wait to get in to teach these kids. They were everything to me at the time. I was a single man in my, in my early 20s. I did that till my late 20s when I switched gears. Um, but anyway, in the New York City school systems, we don't have campuses. You got to understand that down here, like if you, if you, if you look at the, the uh, campus in Parkland, it's multiple buildings. Basically, there are not many hallways to speak of to go ahead and you go from one class to another. There may be five minutes between classes and you leave your building and go into another one. So these things are sprawling, you, you know, for the people in New York City, uh, you have no idea. These are not, it's not like one big edifice that you can really control well. They are absolutely sprawling campuses. <clears throat> and, you know, you can go ahead and just walk in. There really is no security. If there's a show here at the local high school, I don't have to go in the main entrance. I just walk into the auditorium. Again, there's nothing way in and out. And that has to stop. So the first thing that has to happen is that the schools have to figure out how they can fence in or what they can do to make sure that there is a one way in, one way out. And on that one way in is an armed person, either a security guard or a school police officer, someone there. There has to be at least, in the schools this size, there should be one police officer in every single building. Uh, there may be eight buildings, and that's what really is called for there. Uh, it's tough to set up separate individual security, but you could do that. But basically, you should not be able to enter even the campus without any reason to be there. You're either a teacher, you're either a student or a visitor, and the visitors go through a, a security check as well to go there. But we don't have that. That's not down here. And those are the specific types of targets that a lot of people pick. Not this particular loony uh, cruise that we're going to talk about later, um, but that, that's something that most people will, will, will pick. They'll pick a place that's easy to get into where they know that people don't have guns. That's kind of the setup. You notice these people aren't trying to shoot up police stations for the most part or uh, things like that. They, they go to a place so they're not going to the Rifle Association Club, gun club, to go ahead and, and go ahead and try to shoot people up, though they may want to. But anyway, you need to have that. Along with that, there should be some type of metal detectors, I believe, at this point in time. Very similar to most of the big stores you may go through. You may not know that they're there, but they are. Um, armed guards, one way in and out. And you should have some type of a valid uh, uh, ID. Now, I remember when they started all the security stuff in New York City, what would happen was some kid from inside the school would knock a door open and leave it open so someone from the outside could get in without going through the front. Um, alarm those doors. Start to go ahead and get some alarms up there so that if that happens, alarms scream and go ahead and, 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 and they let everyone know in the area what's going on. See, there's some of the things I think that schools themselves, this is a school security problem. And it happens, I imagine if it's happening in, in, in Parkland, Florida, it's happening in many, many other places in the United States. So, um, Guests also that come in, like I said, if you're a guest, I, I, I wanted to give out presents and things to a group of kids once in a school here in Florida. I had to get fingerprinted. I had to have a background check done before I could enter school premises. That's how it should be with people who are guests, unless it's a parent, obviously, or something like that. And in many of the schools here, if you're a parent, you cannot go in to get or see your child. 
The school will send one to your child and retrieve them for you, but you're still not really able to enter onto that campus. There's almost no reason why anybody should be leaving uh, the uh, entrance uh, security area or the uh, main office, if you will, unless they're going to volunteer as a teacher or speak in front of a class. Otherwise, there is <clears throat> there's no reason for anyone to be in there and doing all of these things. It's just it's not called for at all. So. In that regard, again, you're talking about schools. That's one part of it. That's that's that schools um, need to be protected, and there are many many ways to do this. Um, and I'll talk about them maybe a little bit after we speak to uh, Fran. Uh, I hope that woman out there is able to hear us. Again, you feel free to give us a call at eight hundred. 699-0980 if you'd like to. Again, 699-0980. And during my break, I'll check that stream out myself and see what's going on. But anyway, <clears throat> that's one facet. There are other facets. And again, I'm not opposed to gun control, sensible gun control. What the liberals say that is when they want gun control is basically they want to take all of your guns away. That is the end and net result. And that's what they want to do. And I don't think that'll ever happen here because I don't think the Constitution is going to change. And the Constitution is pretty clear, just like the First Amendment about the Second Amendment with guns. Um, we're going to at this point, I think I'm going to try to give Fran a call and hopefully she is around. I did speak to her a while ago, and so we'll get her on the phone and uh, we will continue when she's on. And uh, and uh, that's how we will work it. So we should get our ringy dingies coming up. Let's see. Michael. Hey, how you doing? Hey, good. Good evening. How are you doing? I am doing really well. Folks, we have Fran speak on the phone, and she's going to speak tonight. You know, no pun intended, but it is. <laughs> she is, uh, uh, among other things, an addiction and uh, uh, abuse survivor, author of a new book, uh, Daughter of the King, and she is an, uh, also an, uh, an expert in resilience training. Is that the proper way to say it, Fran? I wouldn't say training. Um, resiliency expert is what my publicist used, and I had to actually look that up, and I, I have to agree with that. There's a lot of us out there, though. There's a lot of resiliency experts out there. It's basically people who have just gone through a lot of difficult, hard times and or tragedies and have survived them and have uh, basically like getting off the horse, you know, falling off the horse and getting back on. Um, you go through uh, life and like most of us, we fall into different um, uh, things that affect us in a you know negative way or a tragedy happens. I have a lot of failed relationships uh, in my past. Yes, I'm a survivor of addiction, uh, survivor of rape. Uh, there's a lot of things in the book, Daughter of the King, that 90% uh, of the people that read it, the common denominator is I couldn't put it down. And I say, yeah, that's all of the junk that's in there. You know, it's like a page turner is what most people say, you mm -hmm. know. And I'm, I'm really honored by that. And the reason I was so honest in the book is I really just wanted to help other people. You know, I really just wanted to share my experience with them so that they could relate uh, because one of the things with addiction that keeps people sick is the shame that you carry. 
uh, with you. You know, you don't want anyone to know. You feel so shameful for some of the things that you've done or are continuing to do in your disease. And I think if we can lift some of the shame off of that, we can help a lot of people recover. And, you know, to me, that's the first step, you know, of course, is admitting that you have a problem, but then getting that dark cloud of shame away from you. So, uh, you know, I that's why, or I know that's why I was so honest in the book and just kind of bared my soul is I really wanted people to be able to relate to it. And so far, I've uh, been very successful with that. I've heard back from lots of people uh, all over the United States and now starting to hear from people over in England, heard from someone from Australia. So I'm, you know, starting to touch people all over. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have stories like mine uh, and even better stories than that. It, mine is just one of many, but it's one that, uh, you know, resonates with people in a really strong way. And I'm very proud about that. Well, that's awesome. Again, that's Daughter of the King. And I imagine you can get it on Amazon because you can get like anything on Amazon. Yes. So yes. I figured the book is there as well. And that's by Fran Speak, which is Speak with an, an, uh, an e, uh, e on the end. E on the mm -hmm. end of it. Um, so resiliency. I can't think of a bigger group of people that need some type of help in terms of resiliency or understanding than the people who are involved with the uh, Parkland uh, school shooting. Um, and Absolutely. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts, of course, the first thing that happens with kids and with politics, and I, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm trying to keep this nonpartisan, though it's very tempting to get partisan uh, with all of these kinds of things, but that's not going to help children out, and it's not going to help security in schools out, and it's not going to help this issue out at all. So I was curious if you had any, uh, first of all, suggestions in terms of maybe coping or dealing with this? Well, you know, I think uh, one of the first things um, is uh, people coming together. Uh, you know, the people that were affected that are right there uh, in the Parkland area, I believe that um, they're already having, you know, some, some vigils uh, coming together and um, just staying united. You know, we're living in a country right now that is so divided. And for some reason, it always takes tragedy to bring us together. Um, you know, and I have thoughts about why we're, why we're so divided. Uh, but as far as Parkland right now goes, I really, really uh, think that they've got to come together. Uh, you know, the country is here to support them. Uh, as usual, when a tragedy like this happens and we all come together, we, we start sending aid. We start, everybody starts praying. I know there's different prayer groups all over the country that are praying for Parkland, as well as people in my community uh, are also praying for everyone in Parkland. And I know that they're, they've got to be filling all of our prayers, you know, but they're, I'm sure in such shock right now over it uh, that it's got to be very difficult. You know, the, the moms, the dads that lost kids, you know, this coach who was such a hero and shielded so many children, you know, from being killed and lost his life in it. Uh, you know, these stories are going to start emerging that's going to help people heal. You know, uh, it's, it's a shame to, you know, I feel bad that the guy didn't have a gun because I felt if that coach right. had a gun, that this would have been ended quite 
uh, quickly. Um, yes. It's to me. To me, it's a shame. You know, I, I know that uh, the uh, current thought is, oh, gun control, gun control, gun. You know, because that's that's like the knee-jerk emotional reaction. Well, if there were no guns in the world, then it would be such a safe place. You know, that that kind of stuff, or at least in the United States. But um, obviously, exactly. that's not going to happen. But th there is this old adage that says the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Exactly. I don't know if you remember, uh, there was a shooting in Texas in a Luby's cafeteria about 15 years ago. Uh, could even be closer to 20 years ago. My son was just a baby. Uh, it was 95, 96, somewhere around there, 94, 95, 96. Uh, and the lady had a gun in her car and she was there with her mom and dad and her mom and dad both died in the shooting and that's what she said if she had just been allowed to have her gun in the luby's restaurant that her mom and dad would have still been alive um she had a license for it and that but i think at that time you couldn't carry it into a public place uh so you know there's a lot of different thoughts about that and i know we don't want you know people walking around like the old west with guns on their you know hip and that but um, because it, it scares people, you know, that's not, we live in a civilized, you know, world today and you don't walk around seeing people, but if you have a concealed weapon and you're licensed to carry it and you're of sound mind, which to me, that is the biggest thing. It's not that um, guns kill people, it's people are killing people. I think I posted something or I saw something posted that said when, when there's a DUI, the driver, you know, uh, is charged. And when there's a bombing, we blame the bomber. But when there's a shooting, we blame the gun. And I don't really understand that. Um, you know, why we blame the gun? Why don't we blame the person? Why don't we have better vetting for, you know, mental, uh, mental health uh, issues? those kind of things because those are the people that are getting the guns and doing the shootings it's not people of sound mind yeah well as we discussed and i talked to you earlier today um mm -hmm. i don't i don't think anyone can go ahead and just mercilessly shoot up a school full of kids uh unless they're mentally ill i mean that seems to be part and parcel of it you, you need to be mentally ill to go ahead and do something like that that or have some type of mental ill I, I still would consider them mentally ill like the isis people that want to go ahead and prove how peaceful islam is by shooting your head off um so uh, mm -hmm. you know you, you do get that but i think to do all these things you have to be kind of nuts and out of it and i I just want to read here. I, I did look. This is from a, a Berkeley uh, Wellness um, a Consortium out in California. It says mental illness and gun violence. And I'm just going to read a little piece of it. It says there's little evidence to support the idea that individuals diagnosed with a mental illness are any more likely to commit a crime of gun violence than anyone else. According to the National Center for Health Statistics, fewer than 5% of the 120,000 gun-related killings in the U.S., between 2001 and 2010 were carried out by individuals diagnosed with a mental illness. You know, it's funny because <clears throat> when this happens with the school, it's rather horrific. We know it affects children and it's terrible. But yes. uh, on, a, on a weekly basis, if you look at crime statistics from, uh, from Chicago, from, uh, from St. Louis, uh, from Detroit, more people die in a weekend within those three places routinely than the amount mm -hmm. of people that have died in the school shootings. But 
you know, you can't, you never mention that, you know, that's something you got to wait. If it's, uh, uh, you know, th those things need to be investigated and, and thought about, but for this, get rid of guns. That's kind of the, uh, the uh, mating call of the left, get rid of guns, get rid of guns. But, um, well, again, it is. You know, and again, I, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to sensible legislation. You know, I don't mind. Sure. Um, the thing is, is that most of the people who have committed acts like this are getting their guns legally. So it's not a matter of that they're illegal guns or th these are the bad guys floating around. They purchase the gun and then they use it uh, in a devastating way. Um, I would not be opposed to certain limits in age. I think that maybe the age should go up. Maybe you should be 25 years old to go ahead and get a gun. I think there should be a lot of coursework involved with this. Um, I know when I was, when I got my concealed permit license, I went to a weekend course. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a weekend course. It was like a four hour course. And then you took the test and then you got your permit. I think it took two days for it to process something like that. And, uh, and and that was pretty pretty much it now yeah I, I felt that was really not enough so i after that i said this is ridiculous i mean you know i don't know what to do with this and it's a gun so i went and i took private lessons and um, group lessons in in how to use clean um different scenarios that you could potentially have to go through that people don't think of i mean this guy was really intense with me he was really really good um, mm -hmm. and it would be like, all right, so you come into your house and there's a man in there with a gun at your daughter's head. What do you do now? You have your gun. Mm -hmm. And we went through all sorts of training scenarios. And I think a lot of people don't do that. They just get their gun and think, oh, good. Now I have one. Right. Well, you're a responsible gun owner and responsible gun owners don't go in and shoot up a school full of children. Uh, you did State some statistics a minute ago that five percent uh, of the ones that were shooting have mental illness. I think is what you said, and I do think that uh, the criminals. You know, well, let me back up. Let me just say this: ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Fox. All of these different um, stations give us their opinion. You can go to college and the professors giving us their opinion. I think um, the thing that might bring us more together is if we went to school and we got the facts, the geography facts, the history facts, and not someone's opinion. If we turned on the news, which a lot of us don't anymore, and I'm one because I don't want somebody's opinion. I just want to know the news, what happened today. Uh, I don't need their opinion along with it. And I, I think that's what what we're getting um you stated some facts if we could turn the news on and we could hear some of these facts that would be more interesting than hearing someone's opinion you know i'm interested in facts i'm interested in like you said the legislation where we can come together and we could find a better way to maybe uh just investigate people who are getting a gun i know they call it vetting but you, you know better vetting uh, to try to keep the guns out of, first of all, juvenile never needs to have a gun, in my opinion. What is a juvenile? Unless he's out learning to hunt with his yeah, father. Yeah, if it's a, if it's a role kind know? of a thing. Right. His father is teaching him, uh, and his father is, again, like you, the responsible gun owner. He's taken the lessons. He's teaching his son not just how to shoot, how to take the gun apart, how to clean the gun, how to be responsible, how to keep it locked up when it's not in use, things like that. So little children can't get to it and have these horrific accidents. 
um, we just we've got to push for more responsible gun owners. You know, uh, like you said, with the lessons, you know, and being just being responsible. You know, that's get, it, it, unfortunately that's a tough thing uh, today's in today's society because no one wants to be responsible for anything. Um, you know, I was yeah. I laughed the first time I heard the term adulting. You know, I don't know. Oh, yes, you know. yes. I have heard that term. <clears throat> yes, I have. Yes. It was kind of funny to me, you know, that someone who's 25 tells their friends, hey, I can't talk to you now. I have to go ahead and I have some adulting to do. <laughs> so, you know, well, it's weird. Exactly. And you know what? That brings us back to a little bit of what we talked about earlier with, you know, the changes um, that we probably need to see in order for the country to come together a little better. And we, we're talking about term limits for Senate and Congress. Um you know, that would be a start. I think it's the agenda of the government to kind of keep us divided so they stay very powerful and try to keep us dependent on them. The more we're dependent on them, the weaker we, the people, become. And it is our country. They work for us. And I think a lot of young people don't realize that. I think a lot of the young people think that the government has all the power, but it should not be that way. We're the ones that have the power, but we've given our power over to them and we've got to take it back. Now, where does that start? I'm one little person. I don't know, but I am your average American citizen. I work in a hospital. I'm a respiratory therapist. Yes, I also authored a book and look to author some more. But, um, you know, my whole life and my career in the hospital, I have been your average ordinary citizen. And I am looking at these kind of things. I have two children of my own. I now just had my first grandchild. So I'm looking at the future for all of them. And I really, really think that we um, have got to get the young people on board with the power that we all hold that we've kind of given away. We've got to take it back. You know, and, um, uh, for, uh, first, I, I, I want to... Uh, just give you a little bit of a, maybe some guidance. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure what the website is, but there is something called the, uh, the Constitutional Convention of States. Mm -hmm. And and you can sign a petition to go ahead and ask all the governors to go ahead and start to, um, to, to promulgate one of these conventions. The Constitution is brilliantly worked out. And there are, there are ways in that Constitution that have been stipulated that actually are extremely germane and specific to what I think is going on politically now. And that's mm -hmm. basically where the people, we the people of the United States, feel that the elected members in Congress and the Senate and all that and the president are not doing their jobs. They are now completely and totally ineffective. And if you've yes. listened to my show for any length of time, you know that I love the United States. I just hate the people mm -hmm. that work for it. Um, I believe the problem with the United States is our government, and a yep. problem never solves the problem. Exactly. Something else has to solve the problem. So there is something, and you can go online, I think if you go ahead and just Google uh, Convention of States, mm -hmm. you can sign a petition, and basically it allows, I think if two-thirds of the states agree that there needs to be a constitutional convention, the governorships of all these states and the people then can go ahead and pass legislation and make a... Um, a, a new amendments to the Constitution. And well, I'm going to do that, Michael. I wrote it down, Constitutional Convention of States. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's that's something that the, the, uh, the forefathers thought of, and that's actually in there. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one way of trying to cope with that. And anyone out there, folks, if you agree with that, feel free to go ahead and look that up, and I would suggest you sign this petition too, because uh, it would be phenomenal. You could do major things with very little. I mean, term limits... 
term limits is a place to start. I've been saying it for about six or eight years that we've got to get term limits for, you know, Senate and Congress. The, the thing that I see, and I don't know, you know, a lot about what goes on up there, but I work in a hospital. I've been doing this almost 25 years, and I see how powerful the insurance and pharmaceutical companies are. You don't know how many people I've let cry on my shoulder that their loved one is going to pass away because they need either a test or they need a procedure, and the insurance company's telling them no. So when did the insurance company take that decision out of the doctor's hand? I don't know. Maybe it was the 70s when I wasn't paying attention and I was still kind of a youngster, a teenager, you know. But they have taken that out of the doctor's hands, that decision, who goes to school forever to learn the body system, how it works, how it heals. And they've got someone behind a desk saying, you can't have that procedure. That is just wrong. And then you've got the people in Washington who are greasing the palms of the senators and the, you know, all the lobbyists up there are, you know, just buying people. They have them in their back pocket. It's so corrupt and it's so wrong. And if we don't do something, and I'm excited that you told me about this site because in my own community, I can start getting people involved because that's what it's going to take is each one of us getting people in our community involved so that we all come together. And that's the way that will bring the country together. If we, the people, all come together and say, okay, enough of this. We want our country back and we want to live in a peaceful country where we're all getting along. You know, where we walk outside and we say hi to our neighbor. You don't walk out and hurry up and get in your car and go to work, you know. You stop, you say hello, you're friendly. You know, everybody's so scared and walking in fear these days because of the crime rates. And it's just, it's crazy. You know, we really, really do have to do something because I know that we all have children and grandchildren. And, you know, it's for the future. It's for our country. It's so that we keep this, you know, powerful and beautiful country that we have that I love so much, too. Um so, I, I, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more with that. Now, <clears throat> I, I looked up some Florida laws as, as they pertain to gun ownership. And sure. uh, this was, I don't remember where I got this. Uh, this is, the, the article is called Possession of Firearms by People with Mental Illness. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who published it, but basically it has all of these states and it lists some of the gun laws uh, in relationship to mental uh, health. And this yeah. is Florida statute number 790.065. It says, upon receipt of a request for a criminal history record check, the Department of Law Enforcement shall, during the licensee's call or by return call forwith, review any records available to determine if the potential buyer or transferee has been adjudicated mentally defective or has been committed uh, to, uh, um, to, to a, um, a court as a result is, is prohibited by state and federal law from purchasing any firearms. And... Uh, then we also have, let's see, it says the Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services shall issue a license uh, to carry weapons or concealed firearms if the applicant has not been committed to a mental institution under Chapter 394 or similar laws of other states. So not only does it include Florida's laws, it also includes similar laws of other states. So if, um, if you were considered mentally in, in, incompetent um, in, an, in another mm -hmm. state in Florida, you still couldn't buy anything. So there are people who you know, are concerned about this mental illness uh, mm -hmm. angle, and I would be too, because... <clears throat> You can't, in certain situations, you really can't generalize. Obviously, this kid was absolutely disturbed. There was something wrong mm -hmm. with him. 
everyone knew about it, including the FBI, including law enforcement, including the school, the students, and everybody involved. Yet everyone just let this all happen. And that is a very interesting topic to me to talk about. I uh, read today that he had been already investigated once. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think there were 36 complaints. He was uh, thrown out of school twice. He wasn't allowed to carry a backpack. The FBI was notified at least two times. Um, <clears throat> he posted uh, pictures of himself with weapons, all sorts of stuff. Uh, he said that he wanted to be a professional uh, school shooting killer or something to that effect. This is one sick puppy. Mm -hmm. The thing to me is that everyone knew it. And just like um, um, a lot of the other people who've done these things, I forget their names because they really shouldn't be remembered. Um, Hood, I think, was one of them. The other ones, these guys are absolutely um, and known to be not all there. They're known to have mental problems. So <clears throat> my thing is, if all of this has occurred, why didn't the FBI do something? Well, that goes back to the inept government or, you is know. It, you know, is it just corrupt and absolutely inept and they don't really give a damn anymore? Are they overworked and there's not enough of them? Are they, I mean, there's so many different scenarios it could be. Uh, so what needs to happen is what we just talked about a few minutes ago, kind of wiping everybody out and starting over with, people who really care, people who want to do the job, people who care about the country, not people who just get up there and now all of a sudden they're worried about how they're going to get reelected and stay in office, you know? Yeah, people don't don't care too much like that anymore. Um, my <clears throat> my personal Unless, belief, my mm -hmm. per thank you. My personal belief is that the FBI is more concerned about being politically correct. Mm -hmm. is fearful of lawsuits mm -hmm. and is very, very scared that people will say if they look into these things, they are profiling. Mm -hmm. And so I think because of our liberal attitudes and people call it progressive or progress, we're actually moving backward very quickly. And I think we are actually tying the hands of the people that actually could do things. I mean, Right. I, I don't like government. Like I said, I don't like the people that work for it. But I can't believe that field agents in the FBI are this stupid um, to yeah. have all of this information and just let it go. And this has happened more than once. So this is not like an isolated event. You know, people would like to think these things are all isolated, but they're not. Um, obviously, police knew about it, where the police right. presence was. Who knows? I'd also heard that he was actually in some type of mental institution and left. Now, why wasn't anyone informed about that? Why wasn't anyone watching him? Uh, you know, how was he able to get this gun? I mean, there's just so many questions. And I think the FBI needs to not worry about lawsuits and just do their job. And that's where the power that we have as we the people, we have given our power over. But I can't say it enough. We've got to take our power back. It falls on us, basically, and that's why, you know, I was glad that you gave me this one site, and, you know, I guess it's time for me just to start really investigating and figuring out how do we do that, you know, and trying to get other people. I mean, I talk to a lot of people. I don't even like to say the left and the right because that just divides us more, but in reality, I know there are, you know, people who believe, you know, liberally, and then there's the conservatives. I know that. But it really is the United States of America. It's not the divided states of America. And we've got to remember that, you know, in the 9-11, uh, I lost a cousin in the World Trade Center. 
you know, I feel very, very passionate about us being united. And why does it always take a tragedy for us to come together? Let's not have another 3,000 people killed in airplanes, you know, running into buildings and, you know, domestic terrorism with these shootings in the schools. We've really got to all come together, take our power back, and get people in government and the FBI doing their jobs. Yeah, it's tough to get people to actually work. I, I want to play a quick video. It, it's it, This is not meant for mm -hmm. comic levity. Um, this is an old theme song to a show, and uh, I, I just I want to play it. I, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to hear the audio on it, but if you just hang for about a couple of seconds, I think it'll be good. Sure. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a train. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, Mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. And now, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman. Now, um, I thought of this and pretty much almost started to cry the other day because mm -hmm. I don't know that there are many other people um, who actually are seeking truth, justice, and the American way anymore. And um, right. it struck me that, you know, this is a show from the 50s. And uh, people always talk about the 50s and, you know, with fond reverence. And by the way, we do have a caller. Oh, we may have more than one. Let me see what's going on here. Oh, we're getting some phone calls. Let's see. We'll merge this one as well. Okay. All right. We got them all. Uh, um, let's go ahead. I'm going to just take a call and, and see. We got them all here. Hey, caller, where are you calling us from? Uh, Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. What do you have to say, Houston? What's going on? Hey, uh, I'm Fran Speaks' ex-husband. Oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> so you got some? You got some? I hope it's, I hope you got support there, Fran. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, no, I recognize that's Rob. Yeah, no, no, no. We're close. No, no. You might be my ex-husband, but we're very close. Still close today. <laughs> All right. Well, what awesome. What you got to say, Rob, about this? Mm -hmm. Rob, go ahead. Yeah, uh, you got your one of the nicest ladies on your show tonight. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, we've been through a lot in our past, and, you know, I, I just want to say that I'm proud of her. I wish you had been well, you know, I, I I can see why we're having a really good conversation here. Is there anything you wanted to specifically add to the conversation, or are you just here pretty much to uh, um, to support your ex-wife, which is very nice, I got to tell you. Yeah, it's just uh, sad what's going on in the world today that uh, I can't even go to work in the morning without looking outside my window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the crime, yeah. Yes. Are you in law enforcement? Yeah. And it's sad that uh, the parents are suffering so bad that uh, these things are happening to their children. 
that uh, you know they put so much effort into raising these children that yeah, it's uh, a lot know, of work. Know, <laughs> you know, we don't know who's who's got the guns or who's going to do it. You know, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can uh, look out for these situations that are so bad, you know, to where it's overwhelming our life that that you can't even go anywhere without trusting what's happening to your children. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's your, obviously a very, yeah. very scary time what we live in. Um, I, I want to thank you for the call. I want to thank you for supporting your ex-wife, uh, but I want to talk to her a little bit more about some other stuff, if you don't mind. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot, Michael. All right. Take care now. Um, so let's see here. Good. So you're still with me, uh, Fran? I didn't lose you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. I'm still there. Right, yeah. I, I know Rob's pretty passionate about children and what, you know, what goes on with children as we all are, you know, we're very concerned about the future, you know? Uh, and where does it lead us? I'm more concerned about the country and being so divided. We've got to fix that. And I do, I hate to say it, and I'm not one of those right wing, you know, extremists. I really kind of fall more in the center, but I do believe that the government supports us being divided um, because it keeps them in a more powerful position over us. And that's not the way it was set up you know, by our forefathers. Poli politics is very, very interesting. It always is yeah. very interesting politics. Um, mm -hmm. not, may, may not be good, but it is interesting. Um, for yeah. instance, um, this is such a big deal to the, uh, to the Democratic left gun control thing. However... Yeah. When they were in power through Obama and they had a super majority in the Senate and they owned the House, they had pretty much what Trump has now except better. They could pass whatever they really wanted to do. No one talked about gun control. That was not an issue. Right. This is like one of those issues, it seems, that people, it's like abortion is the same way. You know, if someone wants to get an abortion, they're going to get an abortion. These are things that are really not governmental issues to be talked about anyway, as far as I'm concerned. But there are many, many times where the government will say things, and the Republicans are no better. I mean, you know, oh, we're going to re repeal and, and replace Obamacare, repeal. Well, they didn't want to really do that. They're just full of crap. And they just said that because that's a good thing to talk about if you're trying to get elected. Uh, controlling guns and gun control and all, that's a great thing if you, you got elected. But once you're in there and you have the power to do something, mm -hmm. then they do not. They don't do that. Well, it's just the, it's the same thing of, uh, you know, I raise my children to be respectful of the office of the President of the United States. That's the most powerful position, you know, in our land. It doesn't matter who's president. You need to respect that office. And the things that I have heard people say first about, oh, well, let's go back to George W. You know, I am from Texas, so I am a little uh, partial to both Bushes, but especially the younger one. I liked him. How many people did not like him and make fun of him? That's the president. You know, then they did it to Obama. Now they're doing it to Trump. Could you just let the man do his job? You know, just like with Obama, could everybody just back off? You know, yes, I have to vote one way or another because that's how our voting is in our country. But I respect the president of the office of the United States and the first lady. And I don't believe in bashing either one of them. Um, 
it just goes back to respect. And I think that's part of the problem with the division. You know, they just want to to bash them, and it's wrong. It's the way I was brought up, it's wrong. You have to have respect for the office. I agree. Now, we have another caller comes on. Hello, caller. How are you doing tonight? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you really well. Where, where are you calling us from? I'm calling from Houston, Texas. Oh, another Texas fan. Do you know Fran personally also? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a question for Fran. Go ahead. I was wondering, when you're... When is your second book coming out? Oh, <laughs> um, you know, I don't have an exact date. I'm working on it, but with all the hours I put in in the hospital, I'm finding a little bit of hard time working on it. Uh, but yes, I'm working on it, so I, I don't know exactly when. I, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe in the next year, you know, 12 to 24 months, I'll have everything done and complete and it will be ready. It's going to be good, though. I'm sorry, say that again? Will this second book follow the same path as the first one? Yeah, this second book, um, I've already done the intro and, like I said, started on it. And I think the second one, a lot of people will like even more than the first one, even though, I mean, people love the first one. But the second one is almost going to be a how-to manual. Like, after all this tragedy, and I survived this tragedy, how did I go out and find my joy again? I talk a little bit about um, how Jesus was a rebel, and I've been a rebel my whole life. And a rebel will go out and do anything to find her joy again. And so I think it will help a lot of people in that respect that maybe they couldn't relate to everything in the first book. But we all have different things where um, just, you know, downfalls in life, and we get down. And so how do you go out and just... Basically, make your life a happy life. It's, it's going to be more like a, man, a manual sort of. It's a book, and you're going to read it, but it's going to show you how I did it. So hopefully it will help people for their own life to be able to pick up and say, okay, if she can do that, then I can go out and find my joy again. You know, because I think at times in life, yeah, go ahead. I'll be waiting in line to get it next. Oh, well, great. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carla, for giving us a buzz tonight. Uh, you got a lot of fans out there, Fran. It, it's pretty amazing. Um, well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I have a couple. <laughs> yeah, obviously so. Folks, if you want to continue yeah. to give us a call, that uh, I f feel free to do so. Um, the number is 800-699-0980, 800-699-0980. Uh, we're talking uh, again uh, to Fran Speak, and we are talking pretty much about what happened in Parkland um, not specifically, generally, we're talking about guns, gun law, um, what other possible things could be going on. And, uh, you know, I played that, that thing from Superman, and again, it ends with seeking truth, justice, and the American way. I don't know if there is an American way anymore. You see, I have a minority opinion in that I think diversity stinks. I think it's terrible. I don't think that people gain much from being diverse. I think people gain more from being unified. If you're talking about general knowledge, yeah, you should have comparative knowledge of other cultures and other places. Um, but only a country that's united 
and there has to be something to unite us. You got to remember, in the United States, we're all so different. Everyone comes from a different background. We are truly a, a nation of immigrants. There should be at least one thing that can unify us, and that should be the government of the United States. Hard to be unified by this government. I got to tell you, you really have to be on drugs, which most of Americans probably are, to go ahead and yeah. try to accept the government as a unifying factor. They too are not unified. If the government isn't unified within itself, and I'm not well, saying, you know, you can yeah. have healthy disagreement. That's okay. But right now you have a party that basically has no issues. It is the party of obstruction and hate. And that's not going to yeah. fly well, and it's not going to help anybody out, including uh, that party itself. It's just not going to be of, of any great help to well, anybody at all. And there is something that unites us 100% of the time, and that's tragedy. Pain. But we've yep. got to find another way. We've got to find a way to unite without tragedy. And, you know, I think that's where most Americans are now. Most people I talk to are like me. They're your average American citizen. They don't want to be united. I mean, divided. They want to be united. They don't want to fight. You know, I don't know how many people I've heard. You know, I don't really get too political ever on Facebook. It's just not a place for it. Plus, I'm not a real political person other than I would do anything, move heaven and earth for us to be united, you know, to get the career politicians out of Washington to start fresh and anew up there. I would do anything for that. But I have found that a lot of people start on Facebook and they start arguing. It's just not the platform. Plus, what are you arguing about? Um, I can just say I used to read the Huffington Post. And then all of a sudden, three or four years ago, I was reading and I saw how I was getting the opinion of Miss Huffington. I don't want her opinion. I wanted to read the news. So, of course, I switched papers. Um, I don't want a right-leaning or a left-leaning. I just want the news. Hard to you know, find. What happened? Yeah, what happened today, you know, in America? What's the weather? I don't need anyone's opinion. And that's what bothers me because both my children are in college right now. And they are so vulnerable and so impressionable when they're young. And you get the professors. The professors are giving them their opinion. I don't need them to give them their opinion. I need them to just teach them. You know, uh, my daughter wanted um, to go to architect school. Teach her that. Don't teach her your opinion. So, um, yeah, people, are, kids are not allowed to have opinions anymore. I, I know that for a fact because uh, my daughter, when she was getting her master's degree in Montclair State, New Jersey, um, mm -hmm. said that basically she couldn't give her opinion or she'd fail. If she gave her opinion wow. about certain things, and um, she said she, the, the, those people up there would, uh, it, it's not like an hour time when I went to school where you were supposed to argue with your teacher and get something out of it. Um, today, you are either on the, on the leftist boat or you're not. And, uh, right, and I can't and stand it. that when you meet someone and it's uh, right away, you have to be left or right. Well, I'm not. My son's not. My son used to lean a little bit left, and I guess his father leaned left, and I leaned a little bit right. But he wrote a paper uh, his first year of college, and it was how he was now, um, after listening to his mom and her views, he had always leaned more towards his dad. He would consider himself a centrist now and um you know independent thinking and i was so proud of that because that's what i pride myself in being i don't lean left or right i just think that we're all we need to be united just sure. the same thing we've been talking about this whole you know interview sure we need to be united I, and we've got to make that happen
um, you know, uh, it's uh, when you look at the people who are just yelling about gun control and all that there, you know, I don't want to make that. Uh, to me, that's not the main focus, but it's something that also is part of this mix. You see, it, in terms of gun control, again, I think that the age should be higher. I think you should be forced to take way more coursework. There are certain yeah. loopholes in the law. There's something called, uh, what do they call them, straw purchases. And what that is, is that someone purchased the gun legally and then sells it to someone else illegally. And that sh you should be in jail for that. I am not for bum stocks. Although, to be quite honest, the first time I ever heard of that was uh, with the, uh, the shooter in Las Vegas. And yeah. I, I don't think people are using them routinely, but there should be no way that you can alter a, a weapon and make it an automatic weapon, which are illegal in the United States. Right. So that um, was that was a crazy. The, the Las Vegas shooting was the craziest thing I think I've seen in a while. There's no motive, no anything. But I think the one thing I want to say, even we have to protect our children. I guess it all boils down to our children go to school. And I saw something the other day, and I'm all for it, posting one, two, if not three at each school, uh, ex-military, you know, at our school. Now, I know that might sound kind of drastic, but we got to protect our children. Our children have to be able to go to school and learn and feel free and, you know, go to the playground and play on, you know, the monkey bars and just have fun and be a kid. And it's our job as parents and as citizens of this country to protect our children. Absolutely. We really have to find a way to stop these shootings in these schools i think of all the gun control whatever they want to call it the first thing is finding a way to stop the shootings in the schools our children are so innocent they didn't ask to come into this world we have a duty to protect them absolutely um i'd like to take a quick quick break i'm having a lot of fun do you want to stay on or you want to end the interview no, no, I'm fine if you want to keep going, Michael. Okay, I just want to take about a minute break. You'll hear some of the, uh, sure. the terrible commercials that I have going on. Uh, you're listening to The Michael <laughs> Blum Show. I will be back in a couple of minutes with Fran Speak, and we'll talk about more stuff then. We're talking, folks, uh, by the way, about Parkland uh, shootings, basically, and resiliency and how you bounce back from these things and what is there to do if there is something to do. And we're doing that with Fran Speak this evening, uh, who's a resilience expert, uh, the author of uh, Daughter of the King, which is a page turner and page burner. And we know that because of the calls we've been getting in here, um, uh, you know, that they don't really seem to give a care, uh, care about what I'm talking about on the show, but they want to know when the next book's coming out. You know, that's the that's the thing. So we want, I want to welcome you back friend uh, having a lot of fun thank here uh probably probably more than we should uh, with a topic like this uh but uh that's i heard you say michael that your children were in uh was it montclair new jersey my daughter did her graduate work there okay well i was born in jersey that's funny uh my family's uh, my italian side of my family's from jersey so i still have a lot of family up in jersey i didn't know if you were from there i actually crossed the river i was from new york but i did go actually to ah. the new jersey dental school so that's uh, where, where i got my doctorate i got my doctorate from them um okay yeah i, I want to play one other video um and, and again you'll hear the you'll hear the audio friend and i'll get your opinion of this but this is basically how presidents have handled this kind of thing in the past and i think it's interesting I know there's not a parent in America who doesn't feel the same overwhelming grief that I do. The majority of those who died today were children, uh, beautiful little kids between the ages of five and 10 years old.
They had their entire lives ahead of them. Birthdays, graduations, weddings, kids of their own. Uh, there's, now there's some tweets. If you're watching the show, you'll see them, but some Trump tweets, uh, condolences to the victims of terrible shooting, so many signs that the shooter was mentally disturbed, neighbors and classmates knew it was a big problem. Here for you, whatever you need, whatever we can do to ease your pain. We are all joined together as one American family, and your suffering is our burden also. Our thoughts and prayers are not enough. Okay. It's not enough. It does not capture the heartache and grief and anger that we should feel. And it does nothing to prevent this carnage from being inflicted someplace else in America. Perhaps now America would wake up to the dimensions of this challenge if it could happen in a place like Littleton, and we could prevent anything like this from happening again. We must do more to reach out to Bill Clinton in 1999. them to express their anger and to resolve their conflicts with words, not weapons. Schools should be places of safety and sanctuary and learning. When that sanctuary is violated, the impact is felt in every American classroom and every American community. And we ask a loving God to comfort those who are suffering today. And there you have it. Kind of the same thing over and over and over, Fran, right? It, well, it certainly is. Each president, you know, addressing the country after a tragic shooting, it's horrific. Folks, it's horrific. <clears throat> folks out there, I want to remind you of something. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm having a phlegm attack. Um, I want to remind you of something. Is that basically is that you know this government cannot mail a letter without losing money. This government cannot help its veterans out uh, without killing them in hospital systems. This government has allowed itself to get twenty trillion dollars in debt. And just to get some perspective, I want you to realize that a trillion seconds ago was over thirty thousand years ago. So when we're talking about these numbers, we have a government that is absolutely out of control. If you think these bimbos over there who can't mail a letter without losing money, they can't do anything right, can't pass legislation, if you think they are going to protect you, you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. You're a fool. And um, I hate to quote yeah. this quote because it's nasty, but it says the only remedy for a guy with a bad gun is a uh, for the bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And basically, my libertarian streak says if you're this scared about stuff, you better arm yourself because uh, these lunatics are out there. They are out there, and it's best that you be prepared for that if and when the horrific situation come should come and go ahead and do that. Now, uh, getting back into this thing, I mean that. The social issues behind this problem are absolutely staggering. Um, I can't understand, and it bothers me sometimes. I'll go ahead, let's say I'm looking for goofy socks to buy for my feet. And I go on Google and I'm looking for that. Now, later on in the day, I go onto my Facebook page. Guess what ads I'm seeing, Fran? What? Socks. <laughs> so how the how the hell do they I wasn't on the website I mean how did they pick that up well there are computer algorithm algorithms that pick everything up 
about you. And well, it's should, almost like Big Brother, yeah, we're being watched. It is Big Brother. I mean, you know, there's some things that I argue with. That there is no such thing as privacy. You know, that doesn't exist anymore. That's not for real. You get out of your house. You go in your car where there are cameras on every single street corner. You walk into the store to get the 7-Eleven to get coffee where you're now being videoed. There's no such thing as real uh, privacy. You really have to seek that out. It's almost like Orwellian where you got to find this one place in your house where no one can, can find you. You know, it's... <laughs> it's yeah. a, it's a, I know no that's annoying. Well, I know that's annoying to a lot of people, but let me tell you, I watch a lot of forensic files and Dateline and that, and a lot of these cameras have been the evidence to catch the bad guy that was stalking the woman or murdering the ex or following and raping little children. So I know the as far as the cameras out on the streets and all that, I've actually been glad a lot of times that they are there because of these crimes being committed by people that, that people are being watched. I, I feel like if you're not doing anything wrong, I don't really care if the camera's on. Now, I don't need them in my home. I don't need, you know, anybody watching what I'm doing. It's none of their business when I'm in the privacy of my own home. But as far as just out on the street, like you said, at 7-Eleven, and that I have seen a lot of those videotapes help catch the bad guy and for yeah. that i'm grateful yeah well my, my point isn't that that necessarily shouldn't be there my point is is that you don't really have privacy anymore um yeah and uh, obviously i can't just go through a light because i'd like to so that red light that comes on actually is infringing upon my civil liberties and my ability to choose freely but yes. we do that as a society because we need to. So there are times when you do need to do these things, you know, and there's always the caveat, which uh, Benjamin Franklin mentioned. He said that those that give up their civil liberties for security will soon have neither. Um, right. So that's a concern also. So everything, you know, has to be have a balance and everything has to be in moderation of some type, extreme on either side. Um, I don't think the just... Uh, uh, Getting rid of all guns is an answer, just as I don't well, think giving everyone in the school a gun is an answer. There, there are things that are in between. We 100% agree on that, because that's another thing I've said for years. Extremism in any form is bad. So there has to be balance. So I'm, you're speaking my language, Michael, right now, because, you know, it's the extremism. I've had friends in this country and have friends in this country who are of the Muslim faith. The Muslim faith in and by itself is not a dangerous and or violent thing. It's the extremists who go. I had a hairdresser. I have a, a good friend who's a doctor, you know, who's Muslim. And I think the world of these people, they're calm, peaceful people. But it's the extremism that has given Islam a really bad name. I mean, um, now, I don't agree, I'll just, this is just me, it's a free country, I'm free to speak. I don't agree with a lot of things that these uh, Middle East countries believe in as far as like with women and covering up. And, you know, I'm an American girl, you know, it was flip-flops, short shorts and halter tops when I was growing up. So, you know, it, it was just, you're free let me put it this way. God gave us all free will. God made us free. Who is any man in the world to tell me I'm not free? You, you know, God, God made me free. God, God isn't allowed in the schools anymore. Maybe that's part of the problem. You know, I, Well, that's a major part of the problem. Uh, but when people started saying that, you know, I think one thing people don't do is their own research. 
my children were still kind of small when people first started saying this. I went to the school. We said the Pledge of Allegiance. I was like, why are people saying this when it's not true? Now, I don't know about all the schools and all of the counties and all of the states in our whole country, but I could speak for Fort Bend County, you know, in Texas, you know, that I went to their school and, and we were. Uh, maybe we weren't praying, we weren't, you know, but when I was growing up, they didn't um, teach out of the Bible anymore. But you can look back at old Western shows, and it looks like at one point in time, they taught the Bible in regular school. Um, and I'm not saying to go back to do that. There's church, and there's Bible study for that. Okay, but in sure. school, there's no reason why we shouldn't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Not, not at all, not at all. And like I said, that's the one of the, there are few things that can actually unify everybody, other than horrible tragedy. And that's one of them is to go ahead and just have belief in country that we are part of the same boat. You know, uh, and if you're in the same boat, right. you can't have half the people on the boat drilling holes into the water and the rest of the people sitting back and you know having a having a tea and crumpets. You know, say so, oh everything right. is great. You know, it is one big floating ship that we need to take care of and we need to. To really take care of it soon or it'll just cease to exist um, you know I, I, I played that Superman clip earlier on mm -hmm. because uh, again because I don't think people really are looking for truth justice or the American way whatever that mm -hmm. is nowadays I don't know what the American way is but that shows in the 50s and I, I heard some people Bye. I heard some people talking today and they're saying gee the 50s wasn't that great such a time of innocence you never had to worry about these things, and everything was so nice. And um, you know, and it reminds me of Ozzy and Harriet. But if you look at Ozzy and Harriet, they're both married. There's a man and a right. woman who are married. They care right. about their children. They have religious values. They have moral values. Um, right. This is not the sitcom of today. And people are wondering why all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, nothing happens all of a sudden. Over 30, 40 years, there's been just a breakdown in society. I mean, when I was, yeah. when I was, and this is a, when I was a kid, I'm talking about in the, maybe the 60s, the 70s, um, mm -hmm. if you got divorced, it was a horrible thing. Yeah. The divorce rate in the, in the, the divorce rate in the 70s was about 30%, way less. If you right. were in high school and you had a kid out of wedlock, no one was throwing you a party. You couldn't go right. to the school and your child was called a bastard. Right. And these are horrible, harsh words, but I'm sorry they left our vernacular because maybe they would do some good long term. You know, you get very, very short sighted by thinking that you're so altruistic and you're going to change all these things. And then you wonder why after these changes, things don't work out. Well, we don't live in Ozzy and Harriet world anymore. We live in a world of arcade games that actually show you people's heads being blown off. Yeah, well, and uh, this is a little bit off that subject, but back to what we were talking about, but living in a free country, it's kind of a pet peeve with me that, uh, okay, we live in a free country, and you can believe anything you want. You can believe in religion, you cannot believe in religion. You can have spirituality or not have spirituality, but the pet peeve with me is, when did they start Okay, I have no problem with there being Jewish synagogues. I have lots of friends who are Jewish. Love the Jewish people. I have friends who uh, are of the Islamic faith. That's fine. But when did they start taking and trying to take my, my rights away as a Christian? That's where I have a problem. I have no problem with my neighbor being Muslim, my other neighbor being Jewish. But don't have a problem with me being Christian and don't try to take away the things 
and the maybe it's a statue if they look at the capitol building it's moses and the ten commandments i mean we were founded on christian values i don't know why and i do believe it's um what the aclu that does a lot of this why are they trying to take away my rights as a christian taking god away taking statues down of maybe uh, the Bible in front of some of the courthouses that I've heard about. Well, they I've do, read about this. They do that because they're elitists, and in their minds, eyes, you're some stupid fool who is uh, listening to moronic fables and letting them guide your life, rather than being a humanistic person and a progressive. So you know, and they truly believe that stuff. They know, uh, you know, uh, this uh, this is a group that um, loves diversity in, in le unless you have a different opinion. <laughs> and once you have a different well, opinion, then I'll that's just it. tell you this. There's, I'm a strong Christian, and I believe in, you know, God, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and there is scripture that says before you start uh, taking the plank out of your friend's eye, take it out of your own eye. In other words, we don't need to be judging each other. Let your neighbor do what he needs to do, your other neighbor do what he wants to do, but they need to let you do what you want to do, and if you're a Christian and believe in God, then so be it. Go sure. to your church. Have your statue of the Bible in front of the courthouse, whatever you want. You know, know? It's, it's the old adage of live and let live, you know. Um, and, right. Uh, and uh, th this is another, I don't know who came up with this, but it's, uh, it's, it's basically that I have the right to wave my hands around over my head and all around me as much as I want. Mm -hmm. But that right stops when it hits your face. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you could do, swing and do whatever the heck you want as long as you're not really hurting someone or taking away their true civil liberties their happiness their property their lives uh, things like that exactly but when they start telling me uh that i can't uh speak of god here what was it a few years ago we couldn't say merry christmas i said they can arrest me i'll say merry christmas till the day i die you know i just they oh you had to say happy holidays i was like no you don't <laughs> uh so i mean you know it's just it's just not right and i don't know why they're infringing that on us. I'm letting them be. I'm not bothering them. I'm not trying to tell them how to live their life. So don't tell me how to live my life. Yeah, we can surmise why. But basically, uh, religion is a very big unifying factor. And so they don't want unity, the government, for the government to actually do what they want to do in terms of globalism. They want this country in chaos. That's why they're more than happy to uh -huh. scream about gun control and do nothing about it. Um, just like, um, just like they really, uh, they, they want the people to do things with DACA. Well, they're offered twice what they asked for and they didn't accept it. They really don't want it. Just like Arafat didn't accept under Clinton, uh, some of the accords that he mentioned to have peace with Israel. They prefer to keep these things going as midterm election political talking points rather than helping people in the United States. And it happens yeah. on both sides of the aisle and it's absolutely disgusting. And uh, mm -hmm. it should end, but um, like I said, we just keep on moving and moving and moving in the wrong direction, and uh, it's like um. Well, it, you know, after you know, talking with you, Michael, I don't like to get real political, but I definitely recognize the agenda of the government is to keep us divided so they stay powerful and they keep us dependent on them. And I know that when I hang up with this phone call tonight, my next little, I guess, mission I'm going to start with is going to be how... Do I get everybody as excited as I am about taking our country back? What is going to be the you first You've got to put it step? into your next Everybody. book because that, that's yeah. a, you know, that yeah. seems to be something <laughs> everyone really likes. Um, yeah. but, <clears throat> but, you know, it's, it's routine now. Um, 
to, for kids to have these video games where you're blowing people apart. Now, I remember uh, there was a, I was watching one of the military shows on uh, the military channel, I believe it's called. Uh-huh. And basically, in World War One, when they were practicing, they used targets to go ahead and shoot and, and do that. And then it, it, for World War Two, they switched from targets to kind of human silhouettes and pictures to go ahead uh-huh. and do your target practice. <clears throat> now you just you can go ahead and blow someone's head off and watch it in full glory on your screen. Also, if you look at Hollywood, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is a lot different than uh, ooh, even Black Panther, which came out. I mean. The, the Hollywood establishment promotes violence, all the things that they claim to be against. And that's, to me, again, I don't be partisan, but basically everything that the liberals are against or that they say they don't like, they do say that because they are actually doing that themselves. You well, know? I mean, that could be, but I think it goes back to the parents and in the home. My son has uh had a playstation since he was young and now it's whatever it's not xbox it's one or the other but i always monitored if age appropriate you know he could only have the games that were spiros you know spiros is the little dragon da, 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 you know going around it wasn't anything violent when he was a teenager he could not i don't remember i think he was 15 before he could have the teen games but the mature games he couldn't have at all when he was a teenager i mean i think the parents have to really monitor the kids you can't just let them run haywire you can't just let them go to the store and rent it well now they don't rent them i guess they buy them but my day coming up my kids we go to the store and you rent the games sure uh you know you just have to monitor them that's you know, I don't know if you, you heard, but the, one of the first things I did on the show is I read the Teacher of the Year in Florida from last year wrote something on Facebook uh, and talked about all this. And basically, she said that she's sick and tired of uh, trying to help children who are not behaving well in school. She says that when she started teaching about 25 years ago, she never got flack from parents. Now it's, what did you do to go ahead and make my kid act that way? How dare you say that about my child? I'm going to write stuff on Facebook about you. I think I'm going to call the police. Uh, I'm going to get my attorney. So the attitude of the parents is so wrong that it's no wonder the children are like that. And that basically parents have to realize they're not the kid's friend, they're the kid's parents. And they have to start mm-hmm. to act accordingly or you just wind up with really bad stuff happening f- with your children. And um, yeah. that's pretty much, uh, I think, in a nutshell, the biggest thing and the biggest part about this is the social issue. And that, mm-hmm. therefore, that is the one that will be talked about the least. Uh, because it's not like, um, you know, we're in the pill society. Just give me a pill. Is there a way I can do something fast to end this whole thing? You know, oh, get rid of guns. You know, well, that, that not really going to do much. That's not going to do much. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, mental mental yeah. health we talked about. You know, uh, there's... Yeah, oh, I want to say something else also about the arcade yeah. games and all of the violence in Hollywood. I hear a lot of uh, my liberal friends that say, well, look... If you watch a lot of movies about comedy, you're not going to become a comedian. If you're going to go ahead and watch a lot of movies that have this horrific violence, doesn't mean you're going to be violent. Now, I have a different theory with that. My theory is like, it's the same thing as when you go to school and someone says, why the hell do I need to know trigonometry? Why should I have to do that and learn all that stuff? And for 99% of the people who are in that class, they're absolutely right. However... There's that 1% that goes, wow, trigonometry. This is amazing. And they go out and they invent things. And they invent drugs that could potentially save your life. The same thing is true 
in a negative way, I'm afraid, if you're inundated continually, if every show you watch on TV, if every movie you go to, if every game you play has someone blowing someone else's head off, yeah, 99% of you, well, you know, you're not going to become a serial killer because you're, you're playing some video game, you know? However, mm -hmm. 1% of those people, the ones that maybe have a little bit of imbalance to begin with, are going to pick up on yeah. it. And that's the danger of all of that stuff that seems to just go by the wayside, uh, particularly with parents that don't seem to care. More interested in their yeah. own lives than their children's. You know, well, so. Yeah, it definitely goes back to that monitoring because my son has been playing and, he, and now he's 22. He does play some of the games where they're shooting him up. But my son is a very, very um, balanced person. He's in school. He's... You know, he's not going to go out and shoot people up. He's not going to go out and commit crimes. He's a very, very responsible young man. You know, someone that any mother would be very proud of. I'm very proud of him and my daughter both, you know, in this crazy world somehow, even with a divorce and, a, you know, some of these horrible things that, you know, happen in our own lives and especially the divorce, you know, the kids managed to come out okay, you know, because the parents, the father and myself, you know, we were watching them. We were monitoring them. We were making sure they weren't uh, sure. seeing things they shouldn't see before they're the age that they can handle it. You see, it, it, seems, it seems like you did something a lot of people don't do is you took a commitment when you had children. And although you now were divorced, you were still parents and you were aware of that. And you didn't mm -hmm. let the, that thing interfere with parenting well i think when you have kids you really have to i mean i was really young and um the, the era that i grew up with there was a lot of emotional neglect you know and so when i when i was a teenager i remember i think i wrote my mother a letter saying i will be the mother that i wanted because i wanted someone emotionally available and so i try to do that with my kids and sometimes we joke that i overdid it you know uh, mm -hmm. let's talk about this let's talk about that but i really wanted to be there for them and their father you know the same way uh and so we were but i think that you know people get so wrapped up in themselves but when you have children those children have to come before you you know you brought them into this world you have a duty to make sure that you you take care of them that you meet not just their needs of oh they have new school clothes they have a roof over they have food on the table their emotional needs it's it that's just a pet another pet peeve with me that that children you know are loved and and are shown love and tenderness you know and uh not just clothes on their back and that and that you talk about things and you explain and you don't just treat them as if uh they're just kids oh just toss them aside you know, sure. you help give them that self-worth that they need to get by in this hard world that we live in. Uh, it, it is a hard world, it but sure you do is. until they're 18 or, or and beyond. I wouldn't say you put them first after they're 18 and they're grown and they're on their own. But when they're little kids and they're growing up, you really do have to put them first because you have to constantly be monitoring them and making sure that, you know, just what we were talking about. They're not seeing things they shouldn't see that... You know, if, if they're on this wrong, going down this wrong path, you er, stop it, correct it, let's go this way. You know, you just have to be on top of everything. My stepfather's the one who told me when I was pregnant with my first child that being a mother would be the hardest job I would ever have. And he was so right. It is. It's very difficult to be a parent. You have to do the right yes. thing 
uh, for your child. And uh, sometimes it's not easy to do. That's not easy to no. do. Um, I want to thank you for joining me this evening. You know, and I feel like we just scratched the surface. Folks out there, <laughs> there's so many other things I really wanted to, to talk about with this shooting stuff that we didn't have time to really get into here. I mean, sure. I, I looked at the judicial end of it in terms of setting sentences, specific sentences, because you have uh, certain uh, uh, courts that they let criminals out and I had all sorts of statistics on if you actually commit a crime with a, a gun, how long do you really wind up in prison? And you'd be shocked at how little it is. So, oh, we're horrified on one end by all of this happening. But if you do it, well, he was such a poor boy. He grew up in such right. a bad family. You know, and you're out in a, you know, in, in a year, year and a half after trying to shoot someone's head off. So there's all sorts of things that judicially that really could be done. I mean, people who are selling guns, they need to be better controlled as well. Um, sure. The mental health aspect we talked about. So, uh, but there, there's so many aspects to this. You can't really just go ahead and have a knee-jerk kind of a thing uh, going right. on. And I got to tell you, I was a school teacher for seven years in the New York City mm -hmm. school system in an inner city school. And my specialty and my master's degree is in special education. I taught emotionally disturbed and neurologically impaired children. Okay. Uh. And I can't tell you how important that person at the front of the room is. The teachers are the keys to everything. They know those mm -hmm. kids. They're in a school usually for three or four years or longer. And they know the kids that are sick in the head. They know the kids that need help. And they should start to go ahead and report that information. Um, you know, uh, um, uh, th that's, th that's really how I think it should be. I think we need to have other laws about involuntary uh, incarceration for someone who is a potential danger to themselves or society. We have that now, but I think you can hold someone for 24 hours or 48 hours, and then that's that. We need to be able to do more with all of those things. I I'm sorry I didn't have time really to get into it, but that's I do okay. want to... Uh I'll come back and visit with you another day and we can talk about some of the corruptness I went through with the court system here in Texas and uh, and some of that, uh, you know, angle too. So Excellent. Um, yeah. I'm going to leave the show here with something I found very, very moving. Again, I, I, I know I played okay. something from the 50s and that was Superman's mm -hmm. theme. This is a little long. It's about four minutes. For folks who don't know, there was a gentleman, his name was Red Skelton. And he was a TV clown, if you will. He came out of vaudeville. And for people in the 40s and people who went through World War II, the United States, what it stands for and all that is extremely different than what we have today. And in, in, I liked him for a whole bunch of reasons. Well, one reason I really liked him is he was on CBS, I believe it was, and he was tied to a multi-year contract and he wanted to get out of it. And he went to the higher-ups and said, look, I want to quit my show. And it was a rather successful show. And so he said, well, if you do that, we're going to sue you because you're under contract with us. And he said, well, you may be able to make me work, but you can't make me be funny. <laughs> and they released him from his contract. Uh, anyway, this is the gentleman. I, I just want to play a little bit of this because I think it's really, really cool and it's different. And you can sense in his speech what the United States once meant. And this is the Pledge of Allegiance, first aired in 1969, by the way. I remember a teacher that I had. Now, I, only, I, went, I went through the seventh grade. I went to the seventh grade. And I left home when I was 10 years old because I was hungry. And I used to, this is, this is true. I work in the summer and I go to school in the winter. But I had this one teacher. He was the principal of the Harrison School in Vincennes, Indiana. To me, this was the greatest teacher, a real sage of, of my time, anyhow. He had such wisdom. And we were all reciting the Pledge of Allegiance one day. 
And he walked over, this little old teacher, Mr. Laswell was his name. Mr. Laswell, he says, uh, <laughs> he says, I've been listening to you boys and girls recite the Pledge of Allegiance all semester. And it seems as though it's becoming monotonous to you. If I may, may I recite it and try to explain to you the meaning of each word. I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge, dedicate all of my worldly goods to give without self-pity, allegiance, my love and my devotion to the flag, our standard, O oh glory, a symbol of freedom. Wherever she waves, there's respect, because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts freedom is everybody's job. United, that means that we have all come together. States, individual communities that have united into 48 great states, 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose, all divided with imaginary boundaries, yet united to a common purpose, and that's love for country. And to the Republic, Republic, a state in which sovereign power is invested in representatives chosen by the people to govern. And government is the people. And it's from the people to the leaders, not from the leaders to the people, for which it stands. One nation, one nation, meaning so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided with liberty which is freedom the right of power to live one's own life without threats fear or some sort of retaliation and justice the principle or qualities of dealing fairly with others for all for all which means boys and girls it's as much your country as it is mine. And now, boys and girls, let me hear you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Since I was a small boy, two states have been added to our country, and two words have been added to the Pledge of Allegiance under God. Wouldn't it be a pity if someone said that is a prayer and that would be eliminated from schools too? It's no wonder we are where we are. Um, I find that very, very moving. I want to thank uh, Fran for joining us. Are you still there, Fran? I don't know if you're still here. With I am. Yeah. No, I am. Thank you. I enjoyed listening to that. But when he didn't say under God, I was like, wait a minute. Then he 
that you know, he, he filled, filled it in. So, folks, you are listening to The Michael Blum Show. We're going to be switching rather, rather uh, weird gears next week. I suggest you go ahead. You can go to the website, michaelblumshow.com, and you'll see who our guests are. I'm trying to be good with that and posting who they are. <clears throat> We're going to have uh, an interesting guest on who is an ex-porn addict and is now a politician. So it's... <laughs> Should, oh it Lord. should be an interesting conversation, oh <laughs> uh, but and and that's um that's uh, pretty much how it is. Fred, I don't want you to Although, hang up. Uh, you I know what? He might do a better job. He or she might do a better job than what we have up there right now. Well, the statistics on some of that stuff are really funny. I'd like you to hold on. I want to talk to you a little bit after the show, but I am going to end it. So, okay. folks, folks, I do want to thank you so so much for joining us this evening. It's a it's been a pleasure. And yes, um, thank you, Michael, for having me. Oh, that, that's no problem at all. It's a lot of fun. <clears throat> and as I say at the end of every show, basically, is that, you know, everything in life is possible. Fewer things are probable. But one thing is for certain. What's for certain is that you're alive. So go out and live life to its fullest because tomorrow is promised to nobody. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks for joining us this evening. <laughs>